You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, Spits and Suds listeners. It's that time. Hockey is here. Thank you for sticking with us this offseason. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. We no longer have to say that, Sean Shapiro. He's my co-host from Shap Shots, EP Ringside. We Win Here is the name of his book. Also writes some awesome articles for D Magazine locally. My friend, so good to see hockey on the uh, television last night. Oh, yeah, it was good. It was a uh, nice... Uh, I love the... I, I know... I know they won't. I I know they only do it for special events and everything like that. But and I and I get that there'll be some people who talk about the timing of games and everything. But I I, I loved the the five thirty start game time. Yes, right? where I loved I loved the ability to hey let's watch for sorry four thirty four thirty five thirty depending on your time zone right. Like I loved the ability to watch a game, watch the game all the way through. Uh, watch, watch the second one. If you're feeling, if you're feeling up to it, you can watch three. Like I know some people, I, and I, and I've been, I know sometimes I've seen the backlash. I'm a, I'm a big fan of getting more games into slots like that in general. Cause like, I think it was great. My kids, for example, were able to watch the entire Nashville, uh, um, the entire Nashville, the entire Nashville Tampa game. Like that was great. And I didn't have to worry about bedtime or anything like that. So I just I always jump on that soapbox, and I know some people say that it's not doable, but if it's doable on open night, you should be able to do it a little more often. That's my yeah, absolutely. Uh, my quick aside on scheduling, and I love that sports in general is switching. As far as we had this kind of long run where it was everything needs to be in prime time, has to be prime time. Well, the reason it's in prime time is because of commercials, and I think because of today's digital recording devices, today's devices where you can watch anywhere, anytime, social media, et cetera. I love that teams are bringing things back to earlier start times because, you know, at the end of the day, like I became a massive baseball fan because I could watch baseball during the day. I, I became a massive winter classic fan because college football decided let's put everything in prime time and then on New Year's Day, nothing was going on. And then all of a sudden, I see on social media, it can't believe how hard it's snowing in Buffalo. And I'm like, oh, I got to check this out. And I was just locked from that point on. I'm like, man, this Winter Classic's amazing. So I, I just love the fact that the risk that they're taking, it's not even really a risk anymore, but just the fact that they're saying, hey, we understand the popularity of this sport. We can draw good attendance. And... And it's okay on opening day. It's okay during the playoffs. It's okay to put these things during the afternoon. It's okay to do matinees now in hockey on Saturday afternoon and Sunday afternoon because of these TV contracts. I I think the more hockey can shine and the more games that they're putting on national TV, much better. I also wonder, and I don't know, and this is just me wondering aloud, Gavin here. And I say this obviously because I am I'm a big soccer fan. I do wonder if the success that international soccer has had on television in the United States. The fact that and it was kind of I wonder how much that served as like a as kind of an experiment that other leagues copied just kind of kind of saw work out where like if you look at sports sports viewership in the United States, a ton of people like me find time to watch Premier League soccer games at at noon on the weekend and we'll uh, Wednesdays at two o'clock, we'll watch that game. Like, I, I just wonder too how much kind of sport television executives and sports executives looked and said, like, "Hey, we got these leagues playing in Europe that are able to draw eyes in the United States on television. Why not our own sports?" And so I also wonder, kind of, it, it would be interesting to 
interesting to see how that kind of if the impact of that. And that's just me wondering aloud here as we as we chat about it. Oh, I, I, I think absolutely. I think when we look back on sports and entertainment history, I think the English Premier League deal certainly can be talked about as far as the innovation, um, the interest, how quickly that became a massive appeal, and how many eyes and ears were tuned in. Absolutely. You know, the other one, Sean, that no one really gives credit for is more entertainment-based. The WWE was the first to come up with an app and charge $9.99 a month and basically say, you get all the pay-per-views for that. And everyone laughed at them at the time. Everyone said, well, this is ridiculous. No one's going to do it. And Lots of subscribers. Those subscribers all then blended into Peacock. And Peacock became the subscription service. So I think that's fascinating when you look back at sports history and entertainment history. You look at those two deals. And, you know, at the time, people were like, really? English Premier League? I know a lot of passive. Like, diehards like you and I, you know, with my mom from England, we're in. But, you know, I think for the passive kind of sports fan they were like is really people care about this you know they they're so focused on american sports and and i just love the innovation of those two deals it's great that you bring up uh, wrestling too because it's something where and i even say this i'm not i'm not a pro wrestling fan i don't i haven't ever really watched it but i heard something recently and i don't remember who said it so unfortunately i can't give the proper credit to it but they were talking about the Deion sanders colorado phenomenon and they talked about one of the great things about Deion Sanders in Colorado and all the value he added in the eyes. It wasn't because he understood football. It's because he understood how professional wrestling worked. Yes. And it's, it's, it's something too, where like there's, there's that element of the storytelling of professional wrestling, the embracing those things that uh, a lot of other leagues could, could, could learn from. So. Yeah. You know, you're absolutely right. I mean, it translates and it's amazing how many athletes it translates to as well that they, you know, not only love that entertainment, they gravitate toward that entertainment. And you can now see WWE being involved. Like, you know, for instance, when they go to a city, um, Mm -hmm. they will team up with a team and carve out kind of a wrestling slash team logo and sell that merchandise. So It's become so mainstream, you know, obviously the stock is booming. It's just a fascinating business that I think people are like, well, wrestling is stupid. Well, I understand that, but I'm interested in multi-billion dollar businesses. So it kind of, kind of fascinates me. And I love the, the theater of the mind and the soap opera aspect. So uh, let's get into stars hockey. Yes. You know, pretty awesome. Nice central division tilt, uh, kind of a St. Louis rebuilding squad, I would say. But uh, tomorrow night, the AAC will officially be rocking. First, I do want to give a lot of credit to Stars fans. Showed up in force this preseason at the AAC. A lot of excitement, and that's really, really cool. Um, But one thing I want to focus on, Sean, that I can't remember, and please correct me, in a long time, a Stars team having so much depth at each position, because we know there are some injuries at the center position, but at the same time, it's pretty amazing when some of the names, when you say, okay, well, if Rope Hintz can't go, we'll move Tyler Sagan you know, to, to the first line. Therefore, that opens up the void at the center position for Sagan. Well, Matt Duchesne can play that position. I mean, the names are just impressive as far as the depth of this team to kind of avoid that catastrophic injury. Yeah, it's. I said this to someone today, and it's the, the fact is with – the stars right like and and i realize that people have heard and heard praise about the stars off season before right gavin like people have heard about like oh they won the off season or they did this or that right like we've heard about that in the past and and so i get if you're a stars fan there might be part of you who wonders like i've heard this before this team like the hype is real about this team and obviously it's hockey and it's the NHL and it's a sport with chaotic outcomes. So it's, there's no such thing as a certainty, but this team is so well built. The depth is great. Um, Like you look at a, and it's not just us who are talking about the team who see it all the time. It's 
you see all of a sudden it's catching on with a lot of the other pundits and people picking and how they're picking out the league's going to play out this year. Like, um, this is one of the, if you go one through, if you go one through 14, because I believe in today's NHL, you need about 14, 15 forwards. Um, even though, so some of those guys are on the AHL roster at the bottom, but you go one through 14, it's hard to find a team that's deeper at forward than Dallas. Like it is, it's impressive. Um, there's a lot of multi-tools as far as guys you can play wing and wing and center. And you look at that kind of, and the other great thing about this Dallas team, we've talked about it before, and we won't go too far down this path right now, is this isn't a one-year all-or-nothing deal. Like you look, we've, we've talked about the long-term prospect build. It's not like they mortgage the future to be here. Like this is the kind of a, they haven't won a title. They haven't won anything under Jim Nell, right? But you look at it and you're like, okay, people are saying out of the West, it's Edmonton, Vegas, and Dallas. And you're like, yes, you're right. Yep. You're right. Those are my three. Those those are the three. You're like, if it's, if it's, if I had to pick, if I had to get those three versus the field out of the West, I'd take those three. So yeah. it's, that is where Dallas is. And it's an elite company. And it sets up for a potentially really fun season because this team is, as you said, even though with some early season, early season bumps and bruises, it's, it's not going to slow things down. Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, start between the pipes, Sean. What are your expectations for Jake Ottinger? Obviously, really, really good year. Kind of an up and down playoffs. Um, but I think yeah. I say up and down because we expect him to be elite. Um, maybe his defensive core didn't help him as much as we would like, you know, in the playoffs. But, you know, clearly one of the top goaltenders in the league. Where do you see a next step for Ottinger? You know, can be among yeah. top two three in the league and where do they need to him to be as far as you know as far as this stars team i mean going into the start of this season like especially if, if we're talking about healthy goaltenders to start the season considering andre vasileski is hurt in tampa i mean he's in the top he's probably he's in the top five goalies yeah. in the league right now yep. like like there's the there's the two russians in new york shesterkin and sorokin there's uh Hellebuck. You put Hellebuck above him? I I would actually that's that's the interesting one because I would actually argue at this point, I would actually put I personally okay. would put Ottinger above Hellebuck at this point. Now that's 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 not a that's not a blanket opinion. I mean, that's one of those where I think there's some people who might say, well, yeah, that's gonna be true in a year or two. I think that's already the case. Um, and then the other one, and I'm just a bit, and it's, it's funny because we're talking about another central division guy. UC Soros is elite. Like, yes. You, you, you put, you put UC Soros on any other team than Nashville and his numbers would be even better. Um, and it's, it's kind of funny. That's why it's kind of ridiculous when the fact is you'll go to the all-star game, the all-star game will happen this year and a top five goalie in the league will not be in the all-star game because three top five goalies in the league are in the central division. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's uh, so I I have Ottinger as a top five goalie in the league, healthy right now. When Vasilevsky's healthy, maybe we start having a debate over him or Hellebuck being in there right now. Yeah, um, I think it's also good when I, I you know from from a potential like young goalie perspective, and as a former goalie yourself, what I love about the UC Soros coming into the league is it kind of quiets down the narrative that the goaltender has to be six four six five. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, guys can be smaller and just as effective. Clearly having size, you know, can take up space, especially after the speed to, you know, move from side to side. But at the same time, you know better than most, Sean. You know, it's nice to see a guy like that when he goes between the pipes. It's like, wow, not that big, you know, but uh, impressive. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, like, I, I look at the Dallas perspective too. And another thing about... And we talk about the next step for Ottinger, right? I think it's it's kind of funny because I think it requires a, and we've talked about it before about the workload, Gavin. It requires a slight step back in a weird way. It, it requires a slight step back, I think, in the game's played element so he can take the other step forward, right? It's like the one step back in usage so he can take the two steps forward in performance. Um, 
like I'm a big believer that when it comes to goalie usage, and we saw it last year in the playoffs with with Ottinger, obviously a little bit of he started to wear down a bit in the playoffs and everything like that. Um, I think about 75 games should be your target for 75 games should be your target for your goalie to play. And I think because after 75, you start getting into some real questions about the wear and tear on a body of trying to play that many hockey games at one of the most difficult positions in sports um, in an eight month span. So the key to winning a Stanley cup is making sure your goaltender has some has has some space to get to those 75 games in the playoffs. So he started 61 this past year, played 62 because of the one game Scott Wedgwood left because of injury. I would like to see that number. I think that number is going to be, I think the stars would be better off if that number is closer to 55. I know that's something, uh, I know people want to see Jake Ottinger every night, but you also want to see the best version of Jake Ottinger for 23 games or whatever you need in the playoffs. And so I think for Ottinger, playing around 55 games would be better for the workload. And uh, it's, but he'll play the important games. He'll obviously play those playoff games, but he's got a real chance to to build on last year's regular season. And um, I talked to him, about a week and a half ago for a story on something. And uh, I love his mentality of how he wants to approach things. And like, he wants to be one of the best goalies in the world. He that's, that's a big drive for him. And I think he can, I think that's something he's not going to win a Vesna this year, but he's not going to win a Vesna this year. And I'm, I'm not taking that again. I mean, I mean, I guess he could, but the, the fact, but the fact is he is going to be in that Vesna conversation this year. Um, he already was in it last year, but this year he's going to actually be in that legit conversation to actually potentially win it as opposed to just being, hey, this guy, we need to add someone to the top five at the list. Let's go in front of Ottinger and a defensive core that I think we had some questions going into the offseason after some playoff uh, struggles, but um, they you know, didn't make any major offseason moves, but you heard right here on Spits and Suds, Sean correctly pointed out that there weren't any real major moves to be made. But it is kind of a new look um, as far as the defensive core. You have Hockenpah, Hanley, Harley, Hashkinen, a lot of H's, uh, Lindell, Lundquist, and uh, Suter. Of those guys, what are you most interested in? I'll tell you me. Um, Harley can't wait to see the development. Um, saw just a major jump, Sean, from the back half of the AHL All-Star game to the rise up and how he performed in the playoffs. I'm really interested to see Hockenpah recovering from, you know, being injured. Uh, can he bring that physical force back and use his size um, to his advantage? I think Hanley's real solid as a, a seventh defenseman, and if someone gets injured... Uh, I think he'll, you know, put forth a good effort, and I thought he played really well in the playoffs. Um, you know, suitor suitor, but Nils Lundqvist is fascinating because I'm excited for Nils Lundqvist, and I'm excited to see what he's all about. And honestly, Sean, I'm super excited that Pete DeBoer, Jim Nil, the star staff, has said we put some good collateral out there to grab you, so we're going to use you, and we're going to see what you're all about. Yeah, I give uh, it's Jim Nil, and I think they they did they kind of did what they had to last year with Nils Lundqvist, where he wasn't he he wasn't an answer last year. I uh, played sixty something games, but for what Dallas needed for the playoffs, he wasn't an answer. Um, it's it's a whole season storyline, but to me, one of the biggest first two months of the season deal type deals is can Nils Lundqvist win and earn the trust of the, uh, of, of the, of the coaching staff? Can he build up what was lost? Can he, can he, can he do that? Because that to me is the, one of the biggest storylines I'm, I'm watching because it's one thing for Pete DeBoer to put him to give him some more ice time, have hand him the second power play unit now. By Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving, since Canadian Thanksgiving was earlier this week, by American Thanksgiving, he uh, 
he needs to have seized that opportunity. And this is, I, I am happy they're putting it in the, they're putting it in the, putting the opportunity on the player's lap. Now he's got to go take it. And we're going to find out a lot about Nils Lundqvist the first two months of the season. He is the, one of the most interesting players for me to watch the, the, this, these first up through American Thanksgiving. <laughs> I, I, you know what I think? I think Stars fans see him and say, is this another Julius Honka? Because the size yeah, comparison. I, 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 it, yeah, and I think, I mean, it's also the, you get the, a bit of the, like, you've been you've been burned before on, like, you've heard this is, this guy's great and everything, and you've, you've been burned on it before, and, and nothing, nothing's, uh, and, and, and it's let you down. So, yeah, I get that. I get, there, there's scars there that Stars fans have, there's scar. There's scars that stars fans are are dealing with on that, and uh, I don't know. I, I I'm really when when Pac drops tomorrow night, he's the one I'm probably going to be watching a little bit of the most. Um, Thomas Harley, I'm intrigued by too, not for negative reasons. I think Thomas Harley is that classic example of there are question marks around Thomas Harley, but they're good ones. Their questions are: Is Thomas Harley the is Thomas Harley how how good of a number two defenseman in a core is Thomas Harley, and if he's a if he can be like a Devin Taves type like with uh like with Colorado like oh yeah Colorado has with McCarr like that's incredible he doesn't have to be that I don't I don't think but like that's the type of thing where if you can have a one two like that then the sky that is the limit continues getting limitless. Um, I just, I'm really interested to see which way Harley goes on this too, because he's got a real opportunity and you saw last year, he was their best, second best pay, defenseman in the playoffs. We just need to find out how good of a second best defenseman he is. And you know, you leave an impression when the chatter now is, and if we need to be more physical, we can certainly call up Liam Bixel for the second half in the playoff run. You know, that's pretty amazing yes. when he's talked about in so many circles when he'll step on the ice for the first time in the AHL, that's how much of an impression he's made so far. Yeah, he has been, uh, he has been so good. He was really good in preseason. Uh, he was really good when we saw him in Traverse City for, it was only the one game. And, uh, you look at the, the kind of the long-term build for this kid, if if you're in Cedar Park, if you're you're someone who's, or even even a Dallas fan that wants to drive down to down to Austin and and go watch a game, like he's he's worth he's worth paying attention to right now because he's going to be in Dallas soon, sooner than you think. And uh, I, I like so much about his game. I also think he brings that long term element that we always wondered about. Like you always wonder, okay, with you got Miro Hishkin, you've got Thomas Harley, you got Nils Lundqvist. Where's the guy you're scared to? And I know you're, you'll are you love this sentiment, Gavin, and I agree with you on this sentiment, actually. Hockey is at times an emotional game. Yes. Sometimes you sometimes you need someone you're actually scared to go into the corner with. Yes. It's one of the reasons that while, I, while Yanni Hockenpah has slowed, is slower, one of the reasons he is effective on this star's defense is physically and mentally speaking, if you're another human and you go into the corner with Yanni Hockenbaugh, he is scary. Like it's just, it's just a reality. And, and hockey <laughs> yeah. is a, is, is an emotional game like that. And I think Bixel is a guy who he will, he brings that element to the long-term future of this team that we didn't know if they had. And I think that's a really like, it's a nice thing to know that's coming up the pipe, whether it's this year, whether it's later this year, whether it's next year behind, obviously, what you have in Miro, who is top three defender in the world. And then obviously what we talked about with Harley and Lundquist as well. You know, one of the things that we've talked about, and I know it's a game of analytics now, Sean, however that, and I was never the biggest fan, let me just say, like I appreciated the energy Antoine Roussel played with at times, mm -hmm. but I think there was a lot more to that um, as far as, you know, injury and not being on the ice and taking unnecessary uh, penalties, and I think that's something we touched on last year. Who's the guy in a in a game that you're kind of down on energy that's going to go out in the ice and make things happen? And you know, I'm fascinated to see that fourth line as far as Delandria, 
We're looking at two veterans. Um, one likely will be healthy scratched at times, but Sam Steele, Craig Smith uh, coming in. Uh, I do like the veteran presence uh, that they provide, the locker room guidance that they uh, provide. I'm kind of fascinated to see Sam Steele because that's a player that we've touched on that I think a lot of Stars fans you know, will have interest in because you know he's just one of those guys that goes and goes and goes. Yeah, it's the I, I like the Steel edition. He's a guy who would have been uh, if not for kind of the we've talked about it before. If not for the cap restrictions in Minnesota, he probably would still be in Minnesota. And it's with uh, the stars need an identity, right? Like, and, and they and they kind of they, they pretty much in general they have it as this team that attacks on the rush and, and, and everything like that. But aside, they, they've always needed. And since, and you bring up Roussel and obviously part of Roussel's shtick kind of got old after a little bit. And that was one of Roussel's problems was kind of the longevity of it. But um, the stars have, and still always have needed a player that can, charge the emotional compass other than Jamie Ben, right? Yep. Because we saw a little bit of Blake Como. Yeah, a little bit of Blake Como. We had we had that there too. And um but it's and it's just there's with with Jamie Ben's leadership style, and this isn't a bad thing. I want to be clear on that. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. It's just the reality is he is he they will follow Jamie Ben to the end of the earth. And sometimes when he is not pushing the accelerator, as we've seen before, and that wasn't much of the case last season. Let's be clear that, that this wasn't an issue last season, but there has been times in Jamie Ben's tenure where he's not the one pushing the accelerator. He's not the one going full bore. And there's been no one else to really step up and drive it. And I think, I don't know how much a fourth liner can do it on a daily basis mm-hmm. but i do think you look at a kind of the pieces they brought in add to the energy positively they add to the proper role of a fourth line and they they all play good quote-unquote b games right like every i think every nhl player has an a b and c game in general and so a a game is your best your your B game is, is is most players' B game is what they play most nights, and the C game is the rough night. Um, I think all three: Smith, uh, Steele, um, and uh, I think even Delandria has it too. Even when they have an off night, it's their their C game is closer to their B game. And I think it's a There's big year players, for Ty, right, Sean? Yeah, it, it it is a big no. It is a big deal. Like yeah. I want to be clear. Like for example, like like we talked about you and I talked about Jason Robertson on the kind of times he would disappear in the playoffs. Like Jason Robertson's A game is best in the world. Yep. Right? Like B game's pretty good too, but Jason Robertson's C game, he disappears. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah. Right. Like like there there is something to that where there is the there is the even level of uh there is the even level of it. Like I mean we saw kind of sticking with this concept of A, B, and C games, right? Like Mason Marchment, we saw and obviously he was first season in Dallas and expectations are kind of hard with Mason Marchment in general, but like Mason Marchment would be on nights. He was bad. He was really bad. Right. Like yes. there was not much to salvage on the flip side. Evgeny Dadanov comes in and on a, a down night for Evgeny Dadanov is not a bad night actually. Yeah. And that's why he's continues to, to be such a good piece for teams. So, yeah. Um, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. No, I, yeah. I I agree. And Stars fans, I'm just making a prediction. 
there will be nights. I mean, obviously, we hear the names Pavelski, Hintz, Robertson, Ben, Sagan, Johnston. There are going to be nights where your first star, in my opinion, will be Matt Duchesne. Because when he shows up, he shows up. I really do. You know, there were a couple games against the Stars where you're like, oh, my God, Matt Duchesne. And I know he's not the same Matt Duchesne of Ottawa and of years old, but I still think he has some good tank left, especially when you're talking about the depth of this team. It's not all on his shoulders. You know, I think this is a year where he can, you know, similar to what we saw with Ben last year, whether or not it was in his head or not, it was kind of a prove-it year, and Jamie proved that, you know, I could still have a good year. And I'm excited to see what Matt Duchesne brings to the table. And I think he's genuinely excited to be with this group and to have, once again, not only, you know, to add to that offensive depth, but to add to a face-off circle and a guy who knows where to be. You know, I, I just think we talked about it on this podcast. I really like that pickup. And I love the aggressiveness of Jim Nill going out and saying, this is a guy we need. Because, I mean, he could have brought someone up for the minors or could have, you know, just stayed with some of the players that were here last year, but he wanted to add that piece to try to take this team over the top. Yeah, and it's, um, I mean, the other thing about Matt Duchesne that's great for him from this role is if you start listing names on the marquee, how far down do you have to get to list his name? Pretty right, far. like, like if you're if you're if you're yeah. when you're quote unquote marketing this team, when all of a sudden you're like, oh, here come the Dallas Stars are coming to town. Six it's or Jason seven. Robertson, Ropa Hints, Joe Pavis, Joe Pavelski, Miro Hishkinen, Tyler Sagan, Jamie Ben, like, like it's like you got to get six or seven names down before anyone even mentions Shane. And yes. that's a that's a really nice place to work from. It's also a really nice place to work from, like, um. I remember talking to a coach about this once, and it's the, the the fact of how salary disclosure, while great for getting the players their actual value and deals and everything like that, it also changed the dynamic of how we view players, right? Like, I mean, we're not, not guilty of it, but it's true. Like, how much did we talk about Radic Fox the last year? And we're like, well, Radic Fox is fine, but that contract, right? Yeah. And Matt Duchesne is in a spot where he's making three million this year he's making probably what he's worth at this point in his career and it's not the and he's no longer going to have the i make 7.8 million or whatever right. it was in nashville last season that i have to live up to i think it's a great place like i think i think matt duchene is going to have a tremendous year i think it's going to be a 20 i don't think it's going to be a 40 goal season but i don't yeah. think anyone's expecting that he I had think 56 be, points last year yeah, like I think it's going to be he's I think it's going to be 25 something goals, flirt yep. with 60 points and he'll score some big goals and that is for 3 million dollars, that's a bargain. Absolutely. Like, I, I love that. I I love that. So. And once again to clarify, I'm not saying the Matt Duchesne of that one year in Ottawa where he became the hot item or Colorado um or even some of the years in Nashville, but he's just a nice piece that could put the puck in the net, knows his assignments. Um, and when you look at that depth, you're right, Sean, when you're talking and you list the names, he's mid pack, maybe with this stars team. And that's unreal. When we talk about the depth of this team to have a, a Matt Duchesne, who's not necessarily a feature, but at the same time, when you have injuries and let's just say, you know, they're, they're without hints tomorrow, although he skated today, you know, then all of a sudden Sagan moves up, Duchesne moves up. Not a bad thing to have Matt Duchesne on your second line. So, uh, no, not yeah, at all. very, no, very not at all. just uh, yeah. excited about that. Okay, let's get into uh, quick predictions before we go around the NHL. Do you think they win the Central? Uh, I, I do think they win the Central. Okay. I think it's, uh, I, I think it's, I think one of the things, uh, and, I, and I'll give my reasoning for this, I think Colorado will be back and it will be better this year than, than they were past, but I think, um, the stars forward depth overall. It's kind of funny actually looking at Colorado because like the amount of Dallas, not cast offs, but the amount of players that used to be in Dallas that Colorado brought in, like you look at uh, like Riley Tufty is on Colorado's opening night roster. So is Frederick Olofsson. Um, 
Andrew Cogliano, Val yeah. Nichushkin, and like so many guys from Colorado <laughs> um, from the forward core used to be in Dallas. Um, but I, I think in the central, I think the stars, I, I think I believe I, I would pick, I'm picking the stars to win the central this year. How in that case, then I, I think when I say, how do they get over the hump, the hump being Vegas, mm-hmm. that's it's, it's going to be interesting because tough to repeat as Stanley cup champions. However, that team's very well built. Especially, they you look, know, when you talk they, about they, the goaltending and they, then you they, talk. They, and they looked good last night, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they did. They really did. Like, that defensive core yeah. is so impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, how do they get over the hump? I mean, it's, the key with, it's, and you, and you can't, I mean, everything with the Stars about this year for me is about you enjoy the ride during the regular season. Um and you kind of em- embrace the fun of the adventure and uh, you have to think about everything. If you're Pete DeBoer from a mindset of fine tuning for the playoffs, which is why you get over the hump against Vegas in May or June by letting Nils Lundqvist play through a mistake in October. You get over that by letting Thomas Harley be Thomas Harley um, and and grow now, so he can be even better. Then I think that is how you get over the hump. It's the thing where it's not the sexy answer. You're not going to see much about it. Like like it's it's something that's hard to track. It's 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 hard to, but but it's one of those where like you almost have to throw away. Sometimes you get when you're a team that with this type of expectation. I think you sometimes have to throw away the cliche live in the moment. And as a coach, not as a player, as a coach, you have to realize there's a bigger picture that you're working towards. And I, I also like, I look at what happened to Boston last year, Gavin, right? Yep. Um, And I look at that team and I know they said all the right things, but there's always that air about them of, well, let's find, let's, let's chase this regular season record, this regular season record, this, 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 and this. And it's like, I just I wonder if that had a little bit of a drag effect in the first once they actually got to the playoffs too. And so I think for, from Dallas's perspective, and this goes to the coaches, you're obviously not telling players to look at it. From a coach's and management perspective, your job is to remember that you're trying to craft the best team to win in May and June. And it goes back to what we talked about with Ottinger. Needs to play 55 games. If you got a back to back and Scott Wedge was not available. You might have to take the not take the loss, but you might have to just set, throw your hands up and say, We're gonna play the kid from the AHL. We're gonna play Matt Murray or Remy Poirier. Yep. It's making decisions like that. So the team eight months from now can act, be in a better spot to uh the uh to to be to actually get over that hump because that's when the hump shows up. Yep. And the good thing from a fan perspective is while the window might be closing as far as opportunity to win a Stanley Cup for Jamie Benn or Joe Pavelski, from a team perspective, that window is wide open as far as prospects ready to come up. And that's what's so great about the future of this Dallas Star squad is they're ready to win now, and they look like they're pushing to be ready in the future. So uh, pretty, yeah. pretty awesome to see. Wanted to get to two NHL tidbits before we let uh, – Sean Go, you're listening to Spits and Suds on 105.3 The Fan. And interesting news out of Winnipeg. The Jets' core will stay in place as far as two pieces. Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck each received seven years, $59.5 million this past Monday Monday from the Winnipeg Jets. I kind of found that fascinating, Sean. I thought at some point... The Jets, because I think they're in an interesting position where wild cardish team, but does anyone think the Jets are going to make a push toward the Stanley Cup? No, but at the same time, they're locking up figures that, you know, they have to stick with these guys for a while now. Yeah, well, the, the Jets are a weird team. Like, in, in, in like, um, I've seen some people who like them better than others and everything like that. And, we also obviously we have, we have 
we're well acquainted with Rick Bonus style hockey. I mean, that's the thing where say what you will about how about the aesthetically pleasing part of it, but one thing Rick Bonus can do at times is he can get lesser um and I, I think I've used this comparison before on the show, like Rick Bonus is like the Wade Phillips of like the NHL, not a great great defensive mind, not a great head coach. Um, so Rick Bonus with an underdog team like that Dallas team in the bubble can really make a team a very annoying team to play against defensively. So like Winnipeg will be in the mix. They'll be annoying to play against. I think they will be a playoff team and they'll be an annoying out. I don't yeah. think they're a cup contender, but they'll be an annoying out. Um, the one that was more surprising to me, honestly, was the Shifley one. Yes, me too. Um, because like um, Hellebuck, at the end of the day, um, there's only 32 starting goalie spots in the NHL, right? Like like at, at the end of the day, there's there, like, yes, there are definitely spots where Connor Hellebuck probably could have gone or, or, or could have gone in free agency or been traded or whatever. But I'll always remember kind of, I remember having this conversation with Ben Bishop when he was uh, when he got traded from L.A. right after he got traded to Dallas from L.A. And that's a pretty honest assessment of like at the end of the day as a goalie, there's only one crease. There's only one spot to play. So it's just like being a quarterback. You're going to pick. Sometimes you're going to go to a team and, and Bishop wasn't talking about Dallas being a lesser team, but sometimes you're going to go to a spot where that crease is yours and you keep things open. Now he would probably, he'd be the starter probably wherever he goes, but there's some nice stability and security and everything like that. So Hellebuck, I always felt like was going to end up staying in Winnipeg. It just seemed like the fit. And plus you always need goaltending. Um, Shifley being 30 years old at the signing of this deal. Yeah. And like this deal is not going to age well. Most deals don't age well. Um, and this one to me, I mean, I, 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 not to, I, I not to mention the it. locker room stuff that was happening in Winnipeg as well. Yeah. Like I, the, the, the Shifley one to me is interesting. Like, I don't really see why Winnipeg committed the term and the dollar amount on that one. And I, I guess it means they're, committed to this core or whatever but like it's like this this winnipeg team is you look at it and it's like this is a this team that is 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 committed to being annoyingly in the middle for a long time and that's where they'll be they'll be around they'll always have a chance to win they'll never really be a cup contender and they just kind of solidified a bit of that status with this with these two signings because yeah, Shifley's fine piece this year, next year, but like that deal is going to age poorly. Um, I mean, if anything, if anything, all it tells me is that like Kyle Connor is like they're definitely not trading Kyle Connor this year. They're definitely not trading Nikolai Ehlers. Nope. So just they're just it's it's kind of roll it back as is and see what happens. <laughs> I know. No, you're absolutely right. And we close with. Barry Melrose walking away from hockey, yeah. fifty-year career, um, absolutely amazing. Um, coach had an amazing relationship with Wayne Gretzky. Young guy coming into L.A. in his early thirties, starting to coach the L.A. Kings, and Gretzky and him just developed a bond that's still there today, and that's pretty awesome. And then after leaving the game, what he's done for ESPN, for the NHL Network. Uh, just a just a colorful personality, both with his suits and style and shoes, but also his opinion. So massive stick tap, Sean. I mean, the guy just left an amazing impression. And uh, walking away from the game, announced that he's diagnosed with Parkinson's, uh, just an awful disease. And uh, we wish him and his family very well. But, Sean, just to, I, I, 
icon. I don't like to throw out there that often, but you know, Don Cherry in Canada, certainly with those colorful suits, um, painted a hockey impression on a lot of youngsters growing up. And I, I think we can say kind of the same thing with, uh, with Mel Rose. Every time he was on ESPN, Sean, I stopped and wanted to hear what he had to say. Yeah, I think the other thing about Melrose with um, one of the things that you have you have happened right is sometimes people will and it still happens to today right people will be like like people will sometimes go and rip ESPN's coverage of hockey or whatever and you can look at the the greater you can look at the larger thing of uh, uh, and, and be critical of coverage in the past but one of the things that they had people at that station who fought to keep cocky in conversation even when it wasn't a rights holder yep. thing um this is like and, and melrose was obviously part of that um john even though uh like even though i'm not a fan of this play-by-play but Butchagross. Like but John Buchagross has did 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 a pretty always did hockey a solid by fighting yep. to get it. Steve Levy and Steve Levy, Linda Cohn. Yep. And there's like those people. It's funny sometimes when I see people talk about like, oh, people don't know hockey, and they point at ESPN and they kind of forget that there's people there at that network who fought to keep it even in some conversation when ESPN wasn't a rights holder and easily could have just completely punted on it and they didn't. So, and, and Melrose, right? Like he's a guy who he, you watch some, you watched ESPN two hockey night, ESPN two hockey. And in the nineties, like he was part of the, like he was a character you tuned in to watch. And it was uh, like, so obviously, uh, all thoughts with him and as he battles Parkinson's and steps away and everything like that. But it's, uh, he did a lot for, he did, he did a lot for the sport here. So that's, uh, as you said, like rightfully so like stick tap to him and everything because it's, uh, it's also a scary thing he's dealing with right now. So it's, uh, thoughts with him and his family during all everything right now too. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you can say like one of a kind and that's, that's what he was. And, uh, I'm glad you thought the same way when he was on television, when he was expressing his opinion, you know, the other thing, Sean, I never felt he was outdated and that's pretty amazing for all the years he was on TV. I never thought to myself like, man, you know, he just doesn't, you know, the game's kind of passed him by. I never thought that. And I, I think that's yeah. so cool. And the other thing is the number of ESPN personalities that have come out and talked about him the past couple of days really says a lot. The montage that they did with Wayne Gretzky narrating was amazing. Um, well, and and that's and that's if also you want to talk about you and you know about this, Gavin, as someone who works in sports media and yeah. stuff like that. Uh, Wayne Gretzky's a, a Turner guy. I mean, to have the like absolutely to, to, Wayne Gretzky crosses the party lines to do that. And mm-hmm. I I I know if you're not a sports media person, you'd be like, oh, of course you do that, Fred, but. As Gavin can attest to, that, we won't go deeper into that. But as Gavin yeah. can mention, as we can say, there's some, like getting to getting getting media people from different contracts from different organizations yes. to do something like that. There's way more red tape that people ever realize. One hundred percent permission had so... to be granted there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. I'm sure Wayne asked, and I'm sure they wanted to keep Wayne happy. But I guarantee yeah. a conversation had to be had, and yes. that that was so cool. That's such a great point, Sean. Um, because I just, I was so enamored with the Gretzky piece that I forgot about that other piece and you're right. That is such a great point. And that says so much that Turner was like, yes, we, we need to celebrate him. And I also don't want to discount his work, um, on the NHL network because I I think there are a lot of good people on the NHL network. Um, you know, I, I think, I think it's wonderful. I love colorful personalities. Uh, Personally, I'm a big Kevin Weeks guy, Sean. I love the way he breaks news. I think I just laugh and at the same time I'm getting I don't know what you think as a as a guy who is 
has broken major NHL and stars news. <laughs> How you feel about Kevin Weeks being on an airplane and just basically barely showing his face and breaking news. Yeah. It's just a, yeah. it's a really colorful bit. And I know it started out as a mistake, but um, now it's turned into that people just absolutely gravitate toward it. And I think he's got a great personality. There are a lot of other characters in the game, and I'm so excited to be uh, featured. I'm really hoping that, you know, P.K. Subban, after a while, can really settle into his groove because I think P.K. has a lot of style. I know Stars fans don't like him, but at the same time, you know, I I, I think that, you know, he's kind of maybe one of those guys that might be the next wave. So I'm fascinated to see his development. Just like an athlete, you know, we're judging based on development. That's part of my job, you know, as the brand manager here is hiring talent, but also the development of talent. Can they take the next step? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it, it does leave like Melrose leaving, obviously leaves leaves a void, a personality void. Um and I, I will uh, I'll, I'll close this off with this one story. So it was the twenty, uh, it was the last final before um, last final that NBC had 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 the Stanley Cup final. It was so it was the 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 one in the twenty Tampa's second title the of the back to back, and uh, I may have mentioned this before, but at the Stanley Cup final, a um, bunch of us media. Uh, degenerates like myself we have our we have our we have our game-winning goal pool right where basically everyone throws in if you want in you get an entry is twenty dollars and you get one of the uh 36 skaters in the game drawn on a piece of paper only rule is if the player who scores the game-winning goal if you have that piece of paper you win the money and uh it was i think it was game one i think it was so it was game one in uh it was after game one in tampa and uh and so levy and melrose actually won the pool they they had just there was only one spot left so they basically split their twenty dollars and they, they threw it in and uh they won the pool and uh they uh they then went and later bought uh we were at a bunch of other media types for over at a bar in Tampa afterwards. And when they came to, and before they came to collect the, basically the guy who collects the money, who's a, another writer basically was told, Hey, just set aside, set, a, set aside X amount of it and just use it for the bar tab for everyone else. And so kind of a, just kind of a nice kind of Great. showing of, uh, yeah. of, uh, of, uh, of, of, uh, putting back. I know it's, uh, so just kind of a funny little Barry Melrose connection. Oh, of, that's great. Uh, of, of, uh, I've interacted with him no. a couple times here and there. He's always been very kind to me. So, um, obviously, thoughts with him. And his yeah, a- absolutely. Great way to close it out, Sean. So, Stars and Blues tomorrow night, followed by Stars at Vegas. A nice early test uh, for the Dallas Stars. Let's get excited, people. We're going to be here all year bringing you the latest Stars and NHL news. And do me a favor, um, spend a little money at Shap Shots with Sean Shapiro because he deserves it, and he's given us some amazing information regarding the Dallas Stars uh, on that site. So you can find him on Shap Shots. You can find him at EP Ringside. You'll occasionally see him at D Magazine, and his book to support Sean is We Win Here. And yes, I am the official Sean Shapiro hype man, and I receive 0% commission. Just wanted to point that out. <laughs> Sean, you're a beast. Thank you so much, man. Can't wait to uh, talk to you again soon. Yep, it sounds good, Gavin. It's good to be back and to have uh, we'll have some real games to talk about here, so it's awesome. Absolutely. Let's do this, Stars fans. Thanks again for listening to another edition of Spits and Suds.